satisfied. Lord, anything that we try to put in our God-shaped void that's in our heart, it just, it won't fill us up. There's a God-shaped void in our heart that only you can fill. Lord, we can try to fill that even with close relationships. We can even try to fill that with, with family members, husbands, wives, kids. Well, Father, there's nothing that is like you. There's nothing that is like your saving grace. There is nothing like your forgiveness, Father. There is nothing like your glory. There is nothing like your magnificence. Father, I pray that everything that is in us is concerned about everything that is in you. That everything that we think about, Father, are the things that you think about. Because, Lord, as your children, why wouldn't a father pursue his child? Sometimes we don't have a good representation of that on, on this earth. But Lord, that's because we're a fallen people. But Lord, we have the best representation of that in the heavenlies because that's what you do with us. And that's the example that we live by, Father. That you are always after me. You're always after the people in this room. Father, you're not so much interested in what we can do for you as much as you're just interested in our heart. You're interested in us. You're interested in sitting across the table from your child who's hurt, from your child who's been beaten up, and just saying, it's going to be all right. You're going to slide your hand across the table and push your hand on our hand and just say, you know what, I got this taken care of. Father, I thank you that you are a God like that. You know when we hurt, you know when we cry, Father, you know when we laugh, you know when we're joyous. It's because you love us. So, Father, this morning, I pray for that love to be in this room. I pray for your presence to be in this room. That we can feel that, Lord. It's not just a, a, a thought or an emotion, Lord, but we can, we can actually experience that this morning. I pray for the experience of being loved this morning. Come on, Father. Come on, Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you. We need you this morning. My goodness, do we need you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You guys can be seen. Well, thank you for being here this morning. You could have spent your time anywhere else but you've decided to come hang out with us and uh, listen as we continue in the book of Romans we are going at a snail's pace which is great um, it just allows us to slow down and see all of what what God is doing um, but I just want to say this this morning as I as I open up that uh, this kind of hit me while we were praying downstairs before we got up here. How differently would you even sit next to the person you're sitting next to right now if you knew that this was the last time you'd ever see that person? If this is the last time you got to be with your wife or your husband? What would you do? It would be 
different. I, I guarantee you would speak differently. You would act differently. You wouldn't, you know, take those diggers. <laughs> those things that kind of annoy you about that person, they, they, would, they would just fall off because you knew this is the last time. What if we lived our life that way every single day? I want to be able to preach to you this morning like this is the last message I will ever preach. Right. Yeah. Simply because you're not promised the next five minutes. The Lord could come back in the next ten minutes. That's real. The question is, are you ready? I want to be ready. I want everybody in here to be ready. But we get so caught up nowadays in the to-do list the things that have to get done that we forget the, the people we're doing those things for. Does that make sense? I get so caught up in writing a message for people that I forget the people I'm writing the message for. Does that make sense? As I look at every single one of you, you're very important. You're very important. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look to the person that you're sitting next to and I just want you to say this. I thank God for you. Go ahead and do that. And if, and if you're sitting by yourself, turn around and say it to somebody. <laughs> yeah. See, how, how, how weird is that? But so good. That when you look somebody in their eyes and say, look, you know what? I thank God for you. It changes your perspective on that person. Now... Hopefully, what that did was, if you guys were, anybody in here was fighting on the way to church and you were not necessarily liking being next to the person that you're sitting next to, that that kind of, you know, cut that in half, cut that off. When you get a look at somebody and tell them something that's meaningful, changes your perspective, perspective on who that person is, where that person is from, okay, and who that person belongs to. You guys with me? So what we've been going through here in the book of Romans, these first seven verses have been uh, filled with all kinds of uh, deep, deep fact and knowledge about Jesus. Paul is rolling out his introduction into speaking about the gospel. This introduction is like no other introduction. You've heard me say that before. But what we've unpacked in these first seven verses, we see Paul in the first verse talk about his relationship, okay? Remember that word. Between him and the gospel. Him and Jesus. And his purpose. Verses 2 through 5, we see the relationship that the gospel has with us. With uh, Jesus being all that is man and all that is God. And then in those... Those last two verses, 6 and 7, we see a relationship, a vertical relationship that we have with the gospel. And last week we talked about two words, privilege and duty. That in verses 6 and 7, he calls us, Paul refers to us as the beloved. Christ refers to us as the beloved. And that's a privilege. He's saying, you are my bride. You are who I am concerned about. You are who I am coming back for. That is... An unbelievable privilege to be called a child, a bride of the Most High God. But you see in the, the, the next few words, we're called as saints as well. The definition of that word saint in the Greek basically means dedicated. It's a privilege to be His beloved. And therefore, I should be living as a saint, 
dedicated, dedicating my life to Him. You guys with me on that? All of that is a vertical relationship. We see Paul setting that up. Now what I love about what is about to be explained here in verses 8 through 15, which I'm going to read after I make this statement. You cannot go through life saying it's just God and I. You cannot do it. Because if that was the case, there would be no horizontal relationship with anybody. What's the point of marriage? What's the point of friendship? What's the point of speaking to somebody who I rub shoulders with and being a living, nah, I don't like this word, billboard, because billboards are stationary, okay? A living example of who Christ is. What's the point? What I so appreciate about the gospel is that when the vertical relationship is right, it plays itself out in the horizontal relationship. Verses 1 through 7, there's a vertical relationship being highlighted. Verses 7, uh, 8 through 15, excuse me, speaks about how this vertical relationship is going to play itself out in the horizontal. Paul begins to speak to, I'm going to say, quotations, the you in these verses. And the you is the Romans. Now let me say this to you again before I read all of this. There is no amount, ladies and gentlemen, of religion that can save you. That's right. Amen. People say to me, man, I just hate organized religion. And as a pastor, they know I'm a pastor. I say, you know what? So do I. And they're like, excuse me? <laughs> you are a pastor of a church and you don't like organized religion. And I say, you're right. Because it's not about rules and regulations and to-do lists. It's about a relationship. Amen. Here, this book is so theological that what Paul could do is he could roll out the rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. He could roll out, this is what you're supposed to do. Here's what the gospel is. But he starts the whole letter on what? Relationship. Amen. Do you know that your God does the same thing with you? That's right. He starts his communication with you on relationship. Not on, what did you do for me lately? Did you get this done? Did you get that done? He'll get to that, alright? <laughs> because we all, have a, we all have a purpose. But he will not sacrifice that for his connection with his child. You, right. you guys with me this morning? Let's read these verses. Let's get into this scripture. Uh, and we'll continue. I'm just going to read right through 8 through 15. And uh, then we'll come back. Verse 8. First, first, love this. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of His Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Always in my prayers, making requests, if perhaps now, at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you, while among you. Each of us, by the other's faith, both yours and mine. 
I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you. Also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles, I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. You know how many times he says you in those verses? I think it's like 12 or 13. That's a lot. Now, have you ever been around somebody who is crazy in love with someone or something? <laughs> it's like, stop talking about that person or that thing. That's all you hear. Because there's something in that person that is infatuated with whatever that person or thing is. Or place. I mean, let's just call it a noun. But the reason for that is because there's a foundation within that person that's real. And from that foundation comes a... Uh, I guess a better way to say this is what's in a man is going to come out. Whether you like it or not. I mean, you can put on all you want. You can try to be this and that. But after a certain amount of time, that gets exhausting. And the real you comes out. See, Paul is letting these people understand that because of the vertical relationship, because of the change in his heart, it's coming out of him what's in him. That it's about a relationship with these people. That he is more concerned about them as people than he is about getting this stuff across. Okay, he will get it across. He will communicate it. He spends the next 12 chapters doing that. Oh, it's great. But not at the cost of letting these people understand that he's concerned about them. Now let me ask you this question. Do you do that with the person next to you who you said, I thank God for you? There may be some things that you need to communicate that are deep, that are, I mean, they hit, that, that sting. But is it at the cost of that relationship? He starts off in verse 8 by saying, first, the very first thing that I do for you, whether it be in the morning or when I see or when I pray, the first thing I do is I thank God for you. Why? Because God is as interested in you and your problems as he is with me and my problems. So why don't I see Jesus the way, excuse me, why don't I see you the way Jesus sees you instead of seeing you through this lens of frustration, of anger, or it even could be pure joy and infatuation. Now those, are, those seem like good things, but are they pointed in the right direction? The reason I, I comment on those, those last two, joy and infatuation, is because you don't want anybody to take the throne in your life. You want Jesus to be on the throne. Amen? So you guys, are you trucking with me this morning? Yep. Now the other statement I'm going to make before we, before we move on here. is that this horizontal movement that Paul is explaining, 
Paul is, Paul is highlighting here as a result of the vertical relationship. He's saying that it's free of the record of experience with these people. And how do we know that? Well, we know that because Paul never went or has ever visited Rome up until this point. But yet he's expressing something to people he's never met. And he's expressing it in a way as if he's met them. Does that make sense? It's free of experience. How often do I let my experience dictate how I interact with somebody? No, see, it's about the relationship. It's about the gospel being real here so that you can play it out here. One more time. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I thank God for you. Just do that for me one more time. Yeah, see, see now we're, we're, we're like not laughing. It's a little bit more somber. <laughs> oh, man. I thank God for you. See, it's different. It's different. It, when it's free of experience, when it's free of what you've been through, it just comes out. That's what I so appreciate about Paul letting the gospel work through him. Amen? So, the lens, verse uh, 8, the lens of thankfulness is something that's very, very important uh, to see your situation through. To see your, sometimes your situation can be a warm body sitting across the table from you. It could be circumstances. It could be anything. But seeing things through the lens of thankfulness is what Paul did before he even started. Am I willing to pray for Beck and be thankful for him every single day? My dad, my mom, everybody on leadership. Do I start with that? What it does when I do start with that is it changes me wanting to drop a stick of dynamite somewhere where I just need to drop a a firecracker. (laughs) Does that make sense? Lord pulls you back. He says, look, this is my child, man. Don't walk, up, don't walk up in there blowing things up. There's a difference between the lens of thankfulness versus the lens of anger. Now, last week, we talked about this word faith. Now, there's been times in my life where I've had faith issues. Been raised in a Christian home since I was five. More so since I was like 13, because when I was five, my sister went up to the altar, and I was like, hey, sweet, I'll go up there too, because we're brother and sister. This is going to be great. Didn't really know what I was doing, so I rededicated my life when I was 13. But I've had, in that time, faith issues. And I explained to you what faith is. Faith is communicated in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things unseen. The assurance, meaning the substance, the things that I can touch, of things hoped for. This isn't hoping hoping and wishing. This is a confident expectation. Hope is the substance, the things that I can touch. The assurance of things that I am confident in. Why? Because they may have happened before. And then what else does it say? It's the conviction or the evidence of things unseen. 
conviction and evidence basically meaning to prove things that are proven. Fact of things unseen. And you know what I've had people say to me all the time? God isn't real because I can't see Him. Well, is the wind not real because you can't see it, but yet you see the effects of it every single day? You hear it every single day? You experience being pushed around by it up and down the front range, driving in your car every single day? Let me ask you this question. You woke up this morning. Hallelujah. And because you've woken up, let me ask you to recollect every time the Lord has come through for you. In time, on time, every time. And you tell me if He's not real. Because you sitting in these seats is a direct correlation to the fact that He, even though we don't see Him in the flesh anymore, He spent 33 years on this earth and that's all He needed to. But His effect is everywhere. His effect is in your life. And if you just look back and take a second and say, you know what, God, I am thankful for what you have brought me through. It will remedy your faith issue. Everybody in here has faith. It's not about what you, it's not about whether or not you have faith, it's what you have faith in. Right? right. Well, we're getting to the, the title of this message. Religion I can say it's kind of the same, right? Everybody in here is religious. Again, I've had people say to me, look, uh, I don't like organized religion. And I respond with how I told you I respond in a kind of rocks their world, not because I'm anything special, but just because there's an understanding of truth. Religion is something that everybody partakes in. What is religion? What is, what is being religious? I'll tell you what being religious is. When I walk out of my house and get into my truck, I turn the truck on the same way that I do that I put on the seatbelt, and then I pull the thing into gear. I go out of my uh, neighborhood two different ways. But I'm religious about that every single day. I'm religious that I put my clothes on a certain way. For whatever reason, it's always the pants, the socks, the shirt. It's just how it is. Everybody in here has routine. Everybody in here just, whatever you do, you're religious about something. Are you trucking with me this morning? Mm-hmm. What I so appreciate in these, in these verses 8 through 15 is that we see, actually let me just say this, uh, verses 1 through 15. This book being so theologically based, it would be so easy come with religion and smack everybody in the face with it. But we don't serve a God like that. So why are we like that? He comes with relationship first. Religion comes second. I'm going to make this statement. Why does it say death to religion? Because religion in our life needs to die. Relationship needs to come first so that Christ can come in and resurrect religion and put it where it needs to be. It doesn't mean we, we, we get rid of religion. But what it does mean is we put it in its right place. You guys trucking with me this morning? Good stuff. So let's 
very quickly turn over to the cross-reference this morning, which I believe is in Hebrews. Yeah, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Excuse me. Now, what we also see in these verses, as you keep that up on the screen, I'm going to flip back to Romans real quick, but keep that up there. We've kind of established the fact that Paul is coming on the plate of relationship and nothing else. First, that's how our Lord pursues us is on a plate of relationship. But it's for a purpose. And I'm going to read here um, verse 11, which I've touched on in the past. But it says, For I long to see you, so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. And then we read this in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And it says this, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. That person that you said, I thank God, I thank God for you. You need that person. There's no amount of convincing yourself that can go on that will prove otherwise. Because He came here to be with you and He came here for us to be with each other. I don't know how many times I've told you guys, look, I can't do this by myself. I just can't. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to what? To love. And to good deeds. The best way that I can do that is the, the outline that's being shown to us here in Romans. First, I thank God for you. First, I'm more concerned about connecting with you than I am shoving rules and regulations down your throat. First of all, we shouldn't be shoving any rules and regulations down anybody's throat. Amen. Does that make sense? We should be living a life that shows the transformation That's right. of the vertical relationship. So that just kind of gets pitched out the window. But see, there's people in here who I don't know very well, who I want to get to know more. Because there's a piece that you have that is so important to this, that to not step into that, to not step towards that, uh, would, to be, would be to, to leave money on the table. We are our greatest asset with the greatest leader who ever walked this earth. Amen. And I ain't talking about myself, obviously. <laughs> I'm talking about Jesus. You guys with me this morning? What we did in verses 1 through 7 was we got up above those verses read the whole thing, and then we dove down deep into little sections of it. 
We're doing the same thing with verses 8 through 15. We'll do the same thing with verses 16 and 17. We're going to get up above all of this. Understand what is being communicated. Not, here's what Alex thinks needs to be talked about on Sunday, but here's something that, that I don't know if we've seen before, but here's what the Lord's putting on me. All right, And then verses 8 through 15, we're going to... We're going to break that stuff down. There's a lot in there, ladies and gentlemen. But I don't want us to leave this place this morning with any kind of understanding other than the fact that whatever religious act you have in you, put that before the Lord and ask Him to, to weigh that. I'm not even asking you to get rid of it. The reason why I'm asking you to put it in front of the Lord is because if I have an issue with my mom, I'm going to go to my mom. If I have an issue with Tony, good or bad, I'm going to go Tony. Putting something in front of the Lord does what? It activates the relationship. <laughs> you guys struggling with me on that? Oh, yeah. It's not like, Lord, i got to figure this out, so I'm going to sit you over in the corner over there. I'm going to come over here. I'm going to figure this out and leave you when you have the answer. He's saying, no, I need you to be in relationship with me on an issue that involves me. You guys with me this morning? Yeah. So again, verses 8 through 15, Paul says you some 12 or 13 times. He wants to be in relationship with these people who he's about to confront before he confronts them. He wants to make sure that, look, if I got an issue with you, I'm coming to you, but I want you to know I love you. I care about you. I've wanted to come see you. I've been prevented to do so up until now. And my whole purpose is so that we can encourage one another. Now I'm going to end with this. Can I get the worship team to come back up here? Let's get prepared for our offering. A lot of, I mean, uh, I gotta figure out how to say this the right way. Um, there's, there's things. Let me just be, let's, let me be transparent for a second. There are people in my life I need to reconcile with, but I don't really want to reconcile with them. <laughs> Why? Because it'd be tough. Because that person walks in the room, it's like. All right, let me think about all the things you've ever done to me. And I don't appreciate it. But Paul's motivation, having not seen these people, coming to them, writing to them, saying, look, my, my hope is that we encourage one another. One another. My, my, my hope is that from this, we can bear fruit together. There's something about the ministry of reconciliation that bears fruit. You guys with me on that? That when you first start by saying thank you, it opens up the door for that reconciliation. Just this week I've had people interrupt me while I'm doing something and in my head I'm like, what, can't you see I'm busy? Like I don't, I have things I have to do. And immediately I said, Lord, thank you for this person standing in front of me and all of a sudden it's like, wow, I just want to talk to you all day. 
there might need to be some reconciliation between you and God, between you and a person that needs to happen this morning so that you can encourage one another, you can bear fruit from that relationship rather than that relationship or that connection stealing from you, taking your legs off from underneath you. Unforgiveness doesn't hurt that other person. Unforgiveness only comes after your heart. Are you guys catching what I'm saying this morning? There's a purpose to coming with thankfulness and being more about the relationship than anything else and so that we can bear fruit. But guess what? Life happens. It's not always fun. We make bad decisions that hurt one another. But that doesn't mean that God isn't bigger than that. That Jesus and His pursuit of us and pursuit of us wanting to pursue each other is bigger. So what I want to do this morning Let's have the, the offering come up here. Let's bless this. And we'll see how the Lord wants to close this thing this morning. Father, thank you so much for the giving, Lord, for the tithe, for the offering. Lord, I pray that you would bless what gets put in this basket, Lord, because we're giving to, to you. Pray that you would show us how to give with a joyful heart, Lord, because you're the one watching. We're not. Lord, bless our hearts and our motivation behind why, why we give, Lord. Again, I just pray that it's a joyous, joyous thing. So again, bless it. We love you. In Jesus' name. Everybody know Beck? Yeah. Beck has uh, got something on him that uh, I believe is apropos to this moment. And, uh, just take some time to listen because here you guys know that we're not just about hearing the word. As the word goes out, it should never return void. And there should always be a response, whether that be this morning or during the week or Beck is our teacher. He's a part of the fivefold. And this is a perfect example of the equipping of the saints. So please just, just listen to what he has to say. Bless you, man. Um, I try and stay away from confrontational topics. So I want to talk to you guys about abortion. Uh, there's been some stuff brewing in me for a while. 
in pieces. I'll hear a sermon and just a line will catch me or reading the word and something grabs my attention. And this morning when Alex was preaching, um, as I've been learning how to just trust in Jesus all of my days, how many of you are in here trying to trust Jesus in all of your days? It was like the whole thing lined up. And I believe that there is something that is that, that needs to be known here and then received here for this people. Does that make sense? So I'm going to speak to you intellectually, and my hope is that it supernaturally, spiritually kind of falls in here for the rest of your days. Paul valued human beings that he never saw. Every second and a half, there is an abortion. This is an epidemic. I do not believe that we are going to overtake and battle the, this idea of abortion by, by scientifically learning how to debate or apologetically learning how to answer questions. I, I believe that the Lord is saying to us through the teaching of His Word that we will overcome the idealism of abortion in this country by valuing human life. You guys, some of you are parents and you, you pray for your kids. I want you to start praying for kids you'll never know in your life. I want you to start praying for people that have yet to be born. Women want to value human or women's rights. I value women's rights. But half of the people being aborted are women. So which women's rights are we talking about? How did Hitler convince Germans to kill over six million Jewish people? They weren't all sociopaths. He simply convinced them they weren't human. How did the slave trade in America grow to the substantial point that it was? People convinced folks that, that these black men and women were less than human and they didn't, we didn't have to abide by the Constitution or by biblical law and so we could treat them like we would an animal. We called the Native Americans barbarians and so it gave us permission to do whatever we wanted with them. We have reached a point in, in this nation and around the world, specifically in Russia and other countries, I'm not looking for this research, it's kind of just falling onto me. We've reached a point in, in, around the world where we have said we can take a unborn life and call it a fetus, which is the Latin term for offspring, which is literally meaning my life of your life. And because we give it a scientific word, we, we change the definition, we can make a fetus less than human. And that gives us permission to do whatever we want with it. We were praying this morning about the Samaritan uh, and Jesus. God ordained his entire life. He, he, he was destined for success. He couldn't fail. He was not going to fail. And along this, this road of success that Jesus was walking, he intentionally collided in the path with a Samaritan person that nobody wanted to collide with at all. If we can let the Lord bring thankfulness to our heart, we will watch, just like Alex was teaching, the value of other people in our eyes increase. And whatever you value, you treat with honor. Does that make sense? Does that help us today? 
This is the last thing. So here's the how-to. Me as a teacher, if I can leave you with one thing, not a separate teaching from Alex, this boy brought this to me with his word this morning. There's a picture in the book of Revelation where the 24 elders are surrounding the throne of Jesus and it's this, uh, the throne of God and it's this incredible scene, lightning and there's this huge throne and, and these, these, these elders are taking their crowns and they're throwing them at the foot of Jesus. That word for crown is Stephanos. Not a crown you get from being born into royalty, but the crown you would get like if you won the Olympics. They put a crown on your head as a reward. What these elders are doing are saying, I earned something that, I, that is valuable, and I see you, God, and this belongs to you. Everything I value belongs to you. And so my, my word for this morning for this congregation is to be in intercession and valuing unborn lives. To say, Lord, I value these humans, and I give them to you. This belongs to you. These children are yours. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So let's stand to our feet. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to be the voice for people who have no voice this morning. And what I want you to do in the next couple minutes, this may be weird for you, you've done this here before, but I just want you to pray. I want you to pray for the people in your life who you need to value more. But I also want you to pray for the very thing that Beck came up here and talked about. Those people who have no voice or feel like they have no value. That they can be brought into a place where they are valued by nothing else than the Holy of Holies. Jesus gospel so a praying congregation stays together I, I butchered that but that's okay so let's do that in this moment let's just let's just open up our mouths and talk to the Lord about valuing not only ourselves but the people around us and those who don't feel as though they have any value let's just talk to the Lord this morning don't worry about what you sound like next to the person Father, thank you so much. Real. Show us how to be people who value ourselves. Father, people who, who first, we thank God for everything. We thank God for people. We thank you for everything that we've been allowed to experience, good and bad. Because Father, it's shaping us. It's taking us to a place where we have a better understanding of are and how much you love us and Lord that you're never going to leave us you're never going to take your hand off of us you never have and you never will and Lord we're not promised tomorrow so we're going to live today right now like it's the last moment and Father if there's anybody in here who has been moved by the power of the Holy Spirit who has never given their life to you for the first time and they say today is the day today is the day that I want to transform my trust from myself I don't want to throw anything else into that God-shaped void in my heart except you. But I know the only reason, the only way I can do that is accepting you into my life as my Lord and personal Savior. Father, by the word that has been spoken today, if you've moved on anybody's heart to do that, 
All they need to do is confess with their mouth and believe with their heart that you are living. God, if somebody in here, come on, Spirit, if somebody in here is moved to do that, Lord, I just pray that they would just raise their hand. Just throw your hand up in the air. We'll, we'll pray for you and welcome you into the kingdom of God. Come on, Jesus. Yes, Father. Miss this opportunity. Be a part of a family who will thank God for you every single day. Yes, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, let's sing this real quick. I'll let you guys know. Lord, let this word hit. Let it transform us. Let it make us new. We want to experience you and experience your love this morning. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody say it.